Hey everyone, welcome back to the Guardian Project Podcast. This is episode 133 and I am your host, Andy. And the holidays are my favorite time of year. I get to use the ceremonial knife to cut into the cheese ball. Oh, okay. You have a, you have a what is how is how is your ceremonial knife like? Is it intricate in design? Is it silver? Is the handle an animal? Is it wood so, carved? So it's actually a bowl. We it's a it's a Christmas bowl that we have. It's a like a penguin bowl, and its little feet pull out, and it's got oh. like cheese cheese knives on its feet. That's really adorable. I have a. It a, is actually adorable. I have a I have a wiener dog that's similar, and its tail is the knife, and it holds crackers in its body. I don't know if it's really ceremonial in nature, though. It is, you know what? It brings joy, and I feel like the holidays are ceremonial to, to an extent. So the, that is my my penguin foot is a ceremonial <laughs> knife. And I'm your other host, Mike. And did you know that Timothar, Baron of Bats, was not the original name for this legendary creature that you can find no. in the Strafon Vampires pre-con? Nope. Um, it was not even originally a 4-4 creature, but originally was a 2-2 Timothar bear of bats. But uh, you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't You wouldn't have known. How would they have known? They wouldn't have they known wouldn't. unless they would have known. You heard it here first. Please listen carefully. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering. But mostly Commander. So we are... In the full swing of the holiday season, for those of us that just celebrated Christmas, that happened a few days ago, New Year's is coming up. Um, so my question, Coyle, is did you get any MTG goodies over the holidays? Um, I always tell everyone uh, in my family to not get me anything magic related because I'll just get mad that they like didn't get a good deal on it or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I know one, I mean, one of my friends did get me some pretty cool uh, Star Wars droid tokens for Christmas to go along with my... That friend uh, is so cool. They're the coolest friend from, from what I hear on Twitter, at least. Uh, it, it me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, some cool servo tokens there with like R two D two on them, and um, so and the and the one from that one series that was on um, not it was a mo- no was it a movie? It was the the good movie. This the 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 movie that joins Rogue One. Is that the movie it was from? The movie that joins Rogue One. No 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 no. <laughs> Rogue <laughs> One is the movie that joins the the first three movies to the to the. Episodes four, five, and six to episodes one, two, and three, correct? Uh, Kind of. Yeah, It explains explains the transmission of Princess Leia's it's the it's the plans of the death star the original death star the transition to princess leia hiding them trying to get them yeah yes and that's where that one that's where that one's from right it's the it's that robot that's with the two of them in that movie that's Uh, one of the tokens i believe yes yes i believe Ah, that is correct i don't know the name of that droid i was never good on the droid but i really i really liked them like they brought us on a journey until that robot was no more until it was no more it it became no more. It just. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for coming on that journey <laughs> of trying <laughs> trying to remember the movie with me. Oh, we also goodness. have another announcement. Wizards of the Coast recently announced a collaboration with Post Malone for 2022. Um, the partnership will kick off with the return of Friday Night Magic. It says a global play program celebrated by millions of players across more than 8,000 stores worldwide every week. As Magic's return to stores comes on the heels of the game's biggest year ever, with a 25-year history, more than 50 million fans are gearing up for a jam-packed 2022 featuring new partnerships, bigger 
online experiences, and even more ways to celebrate the game they love. So uh, Post Malone, uh, we've we've seen Post Malone on lots of stuff. They've been on uh, game nights. They're they've been on I Hate Your Deck. They've been they've mm-hmm. been all over the place. Oh yeah. Um, and I really hope that we get like a, a Post Malone concert, <laughs> like he did for Pokemon, because uh-huh. he did a cover of that song by Hootie and the Blowfish with music from Pokemon at the beginning and the end. I believe it was by Hootie and the Blowfish. That mm-hmm. song's actually really good. <laughs> I, I, It's as good as the original. So now we need a Post Malone cover of some song for Magic. And I don't know what music because there isn't any generic music for the game. That's what I was going to say. Like, what, what, is, what do we have the intro and outro of this uh, cover of some 90s ska band music that we're going to uh, end up having Post Malone cover for us? I, I, I just don't. I can't even fathom it, Andy, but maybe I couldn't even fathom the Pokemon one either. So, no, none of us could. And, um, but it's something that we didn't know we wanted until we had it. And, and, I and now we do. <laughs> and now we know. All right. So if you are listening to this episode right now, then if you go on over to our website, you should be able to find our merch store where you can find our podcast playmats that should be up for sale right now. We have two different variants in both blue and black or gray, um, whichever you prefer to call it. It has both colors in the playmat, so you're not wrong either way you go. Uh, there's a limited number, so please, if you want to, make sure to pop on there and order them as soon as possible. Yes, um, we we will order more if we run out. So to be fair, oh, sure. um, <laughs> there, there is definitely a limited number right now, though. Um, and if the store is not live when you're listening to this, we're going to blame it on producer Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully it will be live when you listen to this and you'll be able to hop on over there and buy a plane we did all the homework we were supposed to do okay so we finally did it it was it was waiting on us that's what the problem was yeah we also have <laughs> yeah i was gonna say 100 percent of these proceeds are going to go back into the podcast as well 100 so. percent into getting more more stuff we've heard uh, a request for stickers we have requests for pins um so we're gonna make it all happen we're excited. Oh, yeah. 2022. Um, we also have another announcement. Um, our new Twitch page is set up. You need to go follow us. We are begging you to go follow us. Twitch.tv slash Guardian Project Podcast. So we were streaming on my Twitch channel, um, which we are not going to stream for the show anymore. I still will have that. So if you're following me, thank you so much. Um, I will still continue to stream there occasionally, maybe box openings or I don't know, other streams of some variety. Um, But the new site is under construction now, but we do need you to go so that you can follow it and get notified when we go live. Um, And then uh, we also want to be able to set up our emotes and all that stuff, um, which is currently set up on my Twitch channel. Um, But you can't do that till you're an affiliate and yada, yada, yada. Um, We should have done this a long time ago, but we're doing it now. So we need you. Only you can help us get to the correct number of followers and which prevent forest quickly. fires to be fair and you only you can help us prevent forest fires. so yeah. we're going to also be doing a giveaway on twitter for a playmat so also go check it out there um the requirement is obviously that you're gonna have to follow us and then you need to follow us on our twitch channel so we will check 
And that's how you can maybe win also a free play mat. So we'll be starting that giveaway this week as well. Um, and if you want to support us in a different way um, and you want to donate or get goodies from us, um, you can head to patreon.com slash guardian project pod and donate for any dollar amount. And if you're looking for another way to support the podcast, whatever platform you are enjoying the podcast on now, if you could subscribe, rate, review and leave comments, we would be most appreciative. Yes. And you can find us online at the guardian project podcast.com. We stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash guardian project podcast. You can find our social media on Twitter at guardian pod or on Instagram guardian project podcast and our gameplay videos are on YouTube at youtube.com slash the guardian project. You can email us at guardian project pod at gmail.com. If you have any questions or concerns or suggestions or requests, any of those really of just them. email us. We'd love to hear from you. It'd email us just to say hi. Just honestly, if you email us and all it says is hi, and then you just sign your name, we'll reply. Yeah. We will we'll send you a prize. We'll send you a prize Ooh. if you email us. We'll get, a, we'll, get, we'll get a Guardian Project podcast NFT and we'll send it to you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'll take a screenshot and you own it now, but I also own it and anyone can copy it and print it. And I don't know how NFT works. Yep. Um, NFTs, NFT works. It's too much. It's too much. But I guess it's possible. Um <laughs> Coil, what is on the agenda this week? Uh, this week, it is the last week of the year as we're recording this and as oh you're listening gosh. to this. So we are going to take a look back at the year of 2021 and we're going to talk all about it, all the sets, all the stuff that we did um, as individuals, as a podcast. Uh, and we're going to do a little bit of review, um, you know, mostly about our, our commander experiences from this past year. All right, well, let's take a look back at the last 12 months. So I'd like to start, we would like to start by going over all of the sets that came out in 2021. We're going to reflect on them, which ones we liked, which ones maybe we didn't like as much, which ones provided the most value for us this year. And starting out this year was Kaldheim all the way back the beginning of the year in february yeah this particular set was really really cool i think for commander we got a ton of new legendary creatures that were actually dual-sided uh some of them being equipment uh some of them not being equipment uh and i think we have you know a brand new uh number one five color commander eventually coming on its way with the prismatic bridge and essica god of the tree on the other side hmm. um I, I even think thematically kaldheim did a lot for us reintroducing uh kaya as really so, like solidifying herself as part of the gatewash going to go investigate and some stuff um we got a really cool Praetor that showed up out of freaking nowhere right at the beginning of the year. We saw Vorinclex, and we haven't seen any mention of the Praetors since Vorinclex at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, we even- got some we got some naughty commanders here: Turgrid, God of Fright, and Orvar the All Form. Um, yeah. Some some powerhouses: Orvar making copies of permanents you control, and Turgrid stealing permanents you own when an opponent sacrifices or discards one of those permanents. Um, honestly, I think they've been kept under check perfectly. I have, we'll, we'll be talking more about, um, commanders that we built or maybe even took apart this year. Um, and I may or may not have put 
put Orvar together and also took Orvar apart. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think we also got a really strong commander in Finn the Fangbearer. We got an infect commander. It's, you know, a commander that cares about death touch. So just a bunch of death touch creatures that don't deal a whole or don't do a whole lot alone, but do a ton with this lovely human warrior on the battlefield. Yeah, and that was even at Uncommon, so you can see how strong that legendary creature type was here. I know I built two different Uncommons from Kaldheim myself with Vega the Watcher and Svela uh, Ice Shaper at Uncommon, but this set also had our our first true uh, snow commander with Jorn, God of Winter, on the other side being Cauldring, the Rhyme Staff, so a Saltai Snow Matters uh, commander that we, we finally got here in call time as well. And, and snow covered basics that were actually affordable, you know? Yes. And I just, I just did, I, you know, I talked about it last week. I got to do a stream that was winter themed and Christmas themed, and I got to play with snow basics and they were affordable because of the set. We also got a land that, um, allows all your lands to tap for any color. As long as you have six or more in the world tree, this is really great. And, um, still only about two or three bucks. This is- so if you're, Playing a multicolor deck and you're looking for, you know, a budget, a budget way to make that happen. The World Tree's a perfect include. Yeah, this was actually one of my top five cards of the year. Um, the World Tree for, for five Funny color Coil decks. says that. Our, our agenda was for a top <laughs> card of the year and Coil added five. It's and hard said, to pick. I know. And I said, Coil, you got to pick one and I'll let you do, I'll let you do honorable mentions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Um, Kaldheim also had a little bit of a theme here with changelings. Uh, So we got a few new changelings, um, including a legendary creature changeling, Moriette of the Frost, uh, that you could do a changeling tribal deck with a changeling as your commander. Um, But Maskwood Nexus was a really big uh, card, an artifact that could have all your creatures have all creature types. Um, We had two enchantments in the past that could do similar things with conspiracy and arcane adaptation Uh, it's nice to have a non-enchantment version of this something that is actually easier to tutor up Um, and it creates changeling uh, or shapeshifter creature tokens with changeling which is pretty cool upside there yeah and we we also got another another red counter spell and that, you know, I love me some counter spells with Tybalt's Trickery, uh, a card that was, uh, you know, causing some issues in Historic for a little while there. Um, not even a commander issue, um, but it, I, I have played this card in commander. I've added it to my red decks. I think it's cool. You choose one, two or three and an opponent mills a card at random uh, or it mills that many cards. And then they exile from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than the spell that you're trying to counter. And then they cast that instead. So it could be good for you, could be worse for you. But I really like this card. It's like causing causing mischief with oh, yeah. also a counterspell. It's so. it, it's interesting that you have Tybalt's trickery because Tybalt also came back here on this plane. I guess we kind of overlooked we that did. a little bit, but yeah, he he was a a main a main uh, nemesis here, opening up portals between the worlds and causing a lot of havoc there. Yeah. So yeah, um, and then and then the next set was Kaldheim Commander. We got two we got two commander decks with this. We got an elf deck and we got a. Uh, foretell deck uh, led by a spirit warrior so we have lathro blade of elves and reynar the ever watchful lathro i've seen a ton of times this this year played it's a fantastic elf commander i don't know if i've played against reynar more than once honestly 
No, I haven't either. I think um, he really cares about the Fortel ability, and Fortel right. really is only supported in Kaldheim. So, you know, other than the precon and upgrading the precon with Kaldheim cards, there's really not a whole lot you can do. So, just not a whole lot of build around. Where with Lathrol being the the elf commander, I mean, they've been printing elves since Alpha. So, there's so much that you could build around, and it is a really strong Golgari elf commander. Really, really happy with this and and i really think this started um showing a lot of the power that they could put into these precons i know the one before this with zendikar rising it was kind of meh i think for power level the power level from these particular commanders are pretty cool yeah um so the next set we have here is a reprint set so the first reprint set that we're going to talk about here from 2021 and that is time spiral remastered so all of the uh, like time spiral reprints, cards that are bending or breaking some of their color identities. Uh, we also got some cool new, uh, well, I guess not new, but old artwork as f- uh, for new cards and stuff. So cards like Alesha, Who Smiles at Death, and uh, Anger of the Gods are getting the old border treatment, which is really cool because these cards have never seen the old border treatment before. If you like that type of thing, Andy, did you like the old border treatment from Time Spiral? I, 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 I don't personally want that, um, but I actually see the benefit of that for some people. Tassiger, the Golden Fang, Arcades, the Strategist. There were a lot of commanders that got this this treatment. Oh yeah, um, yeah, Bloodbraid Elf, even some cards that are going to be played in in your modern formats and stuff uh, outside of Commander. But you know, Commander, I guess, is where most people care about the bling and getting some new bling in this reprint set. Um, you know, Lots of reprints, though. We got to see cards like Urbor, Tomb of Yogmoth, um, which makes all lands uh, swamps in addition to their other land types. Pact of Negation got a reprint. It's only a $10 card now. It, it's a counter spell for zero mana, but you, you have to pay three blue blue at your upkeep. And if you can't, you lose the game, but it's a free counter spell. Damnation was reprinted here down to 26 bucks yeah i mean there were lots of really good reprints in the set yeah gauntlet of power i think this was the uh first reprint since really like kaladesh invention so time spiral before that so that card uh went down below ten dollars too so. oh gemstone caverns was in this set i forgot about that so gemstone mm-hmm. caverns a land if it's in your opening hand you can start with it on the battlefield if it's not if you're not going first um, and, and you can exile a card from your hand um, and then it taps for colorless. And if it has a luck counter on it, um, instead you add one man of any color. So you only get the luck counter if you're able to really put it on the battlefield if you're not going first. But that card used to be crazy expensive. Now it's like 26 bucks. Yeah. No, I, th- I mean, I that's still expensive. Obviously, is. cost is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> but 26 is way better than like whatever it was before, which I feel like used to be something like 50 or 60. Absolutely. Now, this set was uh, had had a lot of draft in mind. Um, yes. I didn't really get it. I don't think I, I don't remember if I got an opportunity. I don't think I got an opportunity we to didn't, draft this one. Neither of us have drafted. I have a box. I'm looking at it right now. We are recording remotely this week, and um, we didn't. But I have a box ready for us to go when we're finally able to get everyone together. Perfect. I do as well. Well, in the meantime, let's talk about the next set, which was Commander 2021, a.k.a. Strixhaven Commander. Yes. This one featured five different commander decks in the Strixhaven two-color combinations of uh, Silver Quill, Black and White. Uh, We have... I'm I'm trying to go off the top of my head. Yeah, so you've got got Lorehold, which is red-white. Yeah. You have Prismari, blue-red. We have... Uh, Quandrix, green, blue, and then and then the black green one is called what? 
It's with Willow Dusk is the is Wither Bloom. Wither Bloom. That's right. Ah, got there. We did it. <laughs> Holy moly. I just want to call them by the Ravnica two color combination so bad. I can't even think of it. But um, <laughs> d- this particular set I thought was really good. Uh, I wasn't super impressed by the Prismari face commander. Um, but other than that, I actually liked. I, I mean, I guess the. I guess the. Um, Willow Dusk, I wasn't too impressed with either. But and I don't think I've ever played against Willow Dusk or a Zafai deck, but I've played against their alternate options, like okay. Guillaume Master Chef, which is the uh, Witherbloom food token one, and then I've played against Varian Voice of Duality, which is a Magecraft Wizard spell slinger deck, and the Varian is really really strong. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it is. I, th- I think uh, Felisa Fang of Silverquill, the alternate commander um, for the Brina, the, black... the demagogue. Yeah, for Brina. I don't think I've ever played against a Felisa as a commander, but Alibu and Ozgear, I've definitely played against those. Adrix and Nev and Essex, I've definitely played against those. I think they knocked out of the park for for those two particular decks. Um, some pretty good reprints in here, and actually some some really good new cards like Archaeomancer's Map. Uh, an artifact for white that's going to help you ramp a little bit. I know a lot a of card people... that I've never seen cast. Have you seen that cast? I I mean I have, but only because it's still in my upgraded precon. Oh, so you've cast it though? I've cast it. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I've never had this cast against me. Um, Adrix and Nev, I think they're they're very good. This was our uh, if, um, if one or more tokens would be created under your control, create that t- twice that many. So you've got parallel lives on your commander. They have mm-hmm. more two. Um, I remember. And I, I want I just want to see if your opinion has changed at all. I remember you said you thought this was a little boring and this was not at all what you wanted to see in a in a Simic commander. Have you changed your mind since seeing this deck played out at all this year? No, I have not changed my mind. No. It's still it's still parallel lives on a commander. It is. It it's, is, but I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you leave my twins alone. Listen, it's a great card. I'm not saying it's bad in any way. I'm saying that it's not. I I I don't think it's very creative. That's a, yeah. Um, huh. I but these particular commander decks, I was very impressed with. Um, I liked the uh, the refrain cards that they they were printed to kind of it's the the cards with suspend that would come back. After they constantly they got suspend cast. themselves, yeah, like inspiring refrain, which lets you draw cards with suspend three for three. It's just, I mean, they helped me in particular with with my decks like Vega and stuff like that. But um, I think they were just kind of cool to see. Spawning Kraken was a really cool um, uh, print in here. Whenever a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent Control deals combat damage to a player, create a nine nine blue Kraken creature token. That was really cool for like changeling tribal decks and stuff. So. Yeah, I we've played against some some other content creators have Octavia Living Thesis decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I built Rionia Fire Dancer. We'll talk about that when we talk about decks that we built this year. So I think we've got um, we've gotten a lot out of Commander 2021, which I'm not surprised. It was a set specifically designed for Commander. True. Um, the next set we have is Strixhaven School of Mages, which um, brought us a lot more than I honestly thought we were going to get from this set. Um, this, uh, featured, um, uh, five schools. Yes. So, uh, again, we're talking about the same schools that were in commander 21, uh, which was the Strixhaven commander. Um, uh, we got some fun life gain, life loss strategies here. Oh yeah. Um, we got legendary dragons. Yeah. The dragon uh, from each school. Very impressed with every single one. I don't think there was one that I was like, I don't like this one. 
we got modal double face cards, um, which which were, uh, or I guess not MDFCs, but they were just two sided uh, teachers. So we got um, the deans of the schools here. Um, I love two sided cards. They they had a lot of text on them though, <laughs> and I I don't know if I can tell you what every dean does. Yeah, it's the um, it's the one thing that I've seen. Like when I'm looking at the legendary creatures from Strixhaven, all the dragons. I've seen most people uh, a deck where everyone's built the dragons. Extus, I've definitely seen a bunch of Extus decks, um, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen more than maybe one or two of the deans built as decks. And I don't know if that's over if if that's just me overlooking them or if that's pe- like just there, are they are they just not good enough for people and and what strategies they want to do. Yeah, we got a mono white commander in Mavinda Students Advocate, which allows you to cast instants and sorcery from your graveyard for free if they target creatures you control. And if they don't target a creature you control, you can still do it. It just costs eight eight generic more mana to do that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really fun giving white access to to a, you know almost flashback, which was what the lore hold mechanic was doing. Lore hold was allowing you to play things from your graveyard. We got. A tribal card in Black's Vexing Pest, which gives pests, bats, insects, snakes, and spiders plus one, plus one. It's, it's we, green on one side, black on the other. I love it. Yeah, we haven't had a lord for those particular creature types other than, you know, generic choose your own creature type. So very cool to see there. Uh, Wandering Archaic is one of those double oh, face cards here that I really yes. liked. Uh, also made my top five, but not my number one. Wandering Archaic is a five mana, uh, generic mana, avatar creature four force is whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay two generic. And if they don't, you get to copy that spell. So um, most oftentimes this, this just makes it so that there's two board wipes that occur at the same time instead of just one because everyone wants to kill your wandering archaic. Yeah, we got lands that I like. These are the the, the reveal lands. They are the two colored lands that, um, like Frostborn Snarl, it enters the battlefield. Um, you may reveal an island or a mountain from your hand. If you don't, it enters tapped. I do enjoy these lands a lot. And then my favorite card um, this year comes for this set, so we will cover that card when it comes up. Um, but Magecraft was wonderful, and we are both very, very high on Magecraft. Yeah. So I think... Um, I would love to see a return of Magecraft in the future. Yeah, this was, set was great. There was even um, an alternate win condition from this set with Strixhaven Stadium in there too. Um, so yep. I sh- don't want to overlook that because you know it's better than Infect sometimes, maybe. So yep. the next set here it was. I think both of our favorite sets, at least it was my favorite set for sure. When we talked about it, it was, I would say power wise um, and maybe reprint wise. Yes. Um, Flavor wise. I'm going to say no. We haven't gotten to that one yet for me. Oh, okay. Okay. This is Modern Horizons 2. So Modern Horizons 2 um, was a straight to modern set uh, filled with both new cards and reprints, uh, as Andy said. And uh, this one definitely had, I think, a majority of the reprints that I loved from this year of 2021. But some of the brand new cards, too. um, I know we got Chatterfang, uh, one of our first squirrel commanders, a, a real Golgari squirrel commander that is 
actually just really, really good in token decks too, because yeah. it has the ability to create uh, green squirrel tokens. We got Grist the Hunger Tide, which is also in black green, and it is another planeswalker that can be your commander. Yeah, that was really exciting. I haven't really had exciting. a planeswalker as commander for a long time. And when when this came out, people were you know reading the ruling. It says, as long as Grist the Hunger Tide isn't on the battlefield, it's a 1-1 insect creature in addition to its other types. There was a lot of speculation. Can this be your commander? And when it was revealed that it could be, I was very happy. Oh, yeah. I didn't build it, but I have played against it multiple times, um, and it's very fun. Uh, we have the first legal way to cast a Black Lotus in Commander with the printing of Garth One-Eye. Uh, also the first five-color in-the-casting-cost human. Um, the, the Sisse from the first Modern Horizons was the other five-color, uh, and then King Kenrith himself, but... Costing all five colors and being able to cast Black Lotus, which is cool. We got the world's best monkey in Ragavan Nimble Ugh. Pilferer. The only one that I opened of Ragavan was the actual regular border foil. I only own one. Um, as a commander player, I couldn't be happier that I opened <laughs> it in foil. Um, Ragavan, very strong in multiple formats. Um, I have I have it added to a deck in, in commander. Making treasures and getting some card advantage is fantastic. Love it. Couldn't yeah. ask for more. No, it's really, really fantastic. Um, we have one uh, another sword of the X and Y cycle was Sword of Hearth and Home, the green and white protection one, um, which uh, blinks a creature uh, and searches your library for a basic land to put it on the battlefield right. tapped. So your favorite card from the set is in this. We also got some good reprints that we'll cover when we get to that. The next set that we got this year is Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. So this is the D&D crossover set. Lots of legendary creatures that people were excited to see. Lots of legendary creatures that I had never heard of before. Very um, true. So now I can put a name to the face and a name to the name because I had never heard the name. So now I know them. But we got a lot more dice rolling. People are excited to roll some dice. Um, lots of fun stuff for Commander here, too. We have uh, a mono green dragon uh, that makes treasures that people were upset about. We got, um, <laughs> we got um, Volo Guide to Monsters, such a cool commander that we did a deck tech on for one of our patrons. For very, sure. very fun. Um, I made I made a Naya deck with, with Minsk and Boo, and that was really fun. Yeah, um, I know. This I... set was, was, the set did give a lot of individual like little treasured pieces for a lot of decks it's funny that you say treasured pieces because the set did a lot for treasures themselves <laughs> too um, i planned that oh well then well I planned didn't. okay I never didn't. mind well i I, sh I shouldn't have told anyone i should just take the credit <laughs> uh, i ended up building uh, delina wild mage from this particular set and it's it uh you know, bad Rionia, as I like to call it. And it's, it's just, it, I just liked rolling dice, but we also got, you know, advent, uh, venturing into the dungeon in the set. We know that Nadir selfless paladin, one of our friends has, and it's a, a really cool dungeoneering deck. Actually, we, a few people, uh, we know own that deck. Um, so it's cool to see some of the new mechanics here. Uh, this was a draft environment that I particularly liked. I know you didn't. Um, but we also got Aceric the Arclitch, which is really cool for infinite combos in blue-black zombie decks, which it I really like. It is in my like. blue-black zombie <laughs> deck. And this is also the complementary commander decks that came with Forgotten Realms Commander. Um, we got to play on stream. So um, those. it was nice that I did get to play those. I played Prosper Tomebound. And I believe you played Gallia Kind Kindler of Hope. So yep. that was a lot of fun seeing, um, you know, some red-black card advantage from Exile. 
Um, I see a lot of cards from this actual commander set being played as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Like consistently. Like these cards were very, I don't think any of them were broken and I think they were well balanced and they create a lot of fun and memorable plays. Yeah, I agree. Um, and these these sets actually had a lot of really good reprints in them too. I know reprints in the commander set, you're only getting one copy of each. Um, but just in the Galea deck, we got Wayfarer's Bobble, Utopia Sprawl, and Heroic Intervention reprinted. So yep. that was really cool. Yeah. And then moving on, we had Innistrad Midnight Hunt, our first of two sets on Innistrad. This one actually was my favorite set of the year. I really enjoyed the flavor. The draft environment was very, very fun. Um, this gave us Tovalar Dire Overlord, which is a dedicated werewolf commander. We have had them before, um, but this one really helps. Um, I've been able to play a lot of games with this. Coil, I got to play against you um, with this just a couple of weeks ago at our house. Oh, yeah. and, and I think the the card draw on it is is exactly what werewolves needed because they run out of gas if you if you aren't drawing three or four cards yeah it makes it so like that you don't every swing you don't have to use all those green sorceries where you draw a card for each creature you control and not having to play those means you can play even more werewolves it was very very cool to see a um, lot of support in uh, spirits and humans here too i know um, on top of all that Lear, disciple of the drowned you've been talking about this card ever since it oh. came out and you've only you've only, your opinion of it's only gotten stronger since it's come out i bought three copies of it this weekend because i just wanted every blue deck i actually don't i there's nothing bad about this card unless you're putting it in a deck where you're playing and running counter spells don't do that because it says spells can't be countered that's everybody's spells including yours this card just ends games so good i did a deck tech on my wizards deck if you are a patron I had a specific slide for Lear alone. <laughs> it's just so good. We got another version of Sagarda. We have Ormondal was back off of Jaren Corrupted Bishop. Um, we have Ludwig is back and it flips into Olog Ludwig's Hubris. Um, we also have the slow lands, which actually are my new favorite lands. This is the first time we had seen them. The cards like Overgrown Farmland and Shipwreck Marsh that say they enter the battlefield tapped unless you control two or more other lands. The chances of you playing this, so playing this on turn one tapped, it's fine. No one, no one's going to care. Sure. Playing this on turn three untapped, that's perfect. They don't have dual land typing, so you can't fetch for them. But I put, I have. If I if the deck if if it fits in the color if it fits in yeah the the color identity they're mm -hmm. in the deck now I want ten more copies of each. <laughs> um, I I know the legendary creatures from this set are really exciting for some people too. Uh, we know there was a lot of hype around Slow Gurk, the Over Slime, and some infinite combos yes. that you could do there. Uh, old Stick Fingers with like a turn two or turn three win condition by throwing all of your your entire <laughs> deck into the graveyard. We saw the the return of Liza, Forgotten Archangel, which yes. we saw in Commander Legends, but it was kind of a um, you know thematically the full return onto Innistrad. Uh, was very cool to see there. Yes. Um, we saw Soren Markov come back, but I think so. Wait, or did Soren come back in the next set? We saw him thematically in the set. Vow. But did we see him in the story in Midnight Hunt, perhaps? I don't. I'm not sure if he was actually picked. You know, if he was actually in a picture okay. or anything, I think oh, just reference. Well, he was. He did go to the casket to see if Edgar Markov was there in. Oh, that's true. Fateful absence. In fateful absence. So yeah. he's he's depicted in there, but Ren and Seven even. So Ren coming back, inhabiting a new tree. Uh, last time we saw him was the first Modern Horizons with Ren and Six. We don't really know what timeline in the first Modern Horizons he was 
Um, but now on Innistrad uh, and Hostile Hostile, which is one of my favorite oh. named cards uh, ever, I think. One of my favorite arts, honestly. It's so good. That playmat I did not get, but I should probably pick one up. And I have one off of that card alone in draft on two separate occasions. <laughs> that card's ridiculous that, that it can phase itself out. It's just really, really good. And we also got a commander set with this. So we had uh, Crimson, uh, I'm sorry, um, Midnight Hunt commanders which uh came with uh will help the rock cleaver as the face commander for the zombie deck and leonore autumn sovereign for the coven version of the human deck um and then we had some other cards that uh, came in the set booster uh set booster exclusives like lindy cheerful tormentor which was a grixis uh curses deck i've seen a lot of will help i have not seen Leonore yet, but I've seen Eloise Nefalia Sleuth, which is um, a Demir Investigate creature. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that this one is not as prevalent, but it's also only been a couple of months, so it hasn't had as much time to shine or make it onto my spreadsheet as other sets. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so Innistrad Crimson Vow is the standard set that follows that one, um, where we saw a lot of the legendary vampires in this set. We saw legendary werewolves in the first set, uh, but we also saw some of the best non-legendary werewolves in this set and the best non-legendary mm -hmm. vampires in the other set, uh, which was cool to see. But I, I really like the the five-color um, cycle of these cemetery cards, Cemetery Desecrator, Gatekeeper, Illuminate, protector and prowler um it's it's the mythic uh cycle of the monocolors um just some uh some some return of some planeswalkers like chandra here i loved the story with uh with olivia trying to take over the plane of innistrad uh, i won't say any more than that in case you want to check out the story yourself again the return of kaya um necro duality a giant giant card for zombie combos that we saw again um, even the brand new Olivia Crimson Bride had a lot of combos that people have been taking advantage of. Yeah, lore, lore fans are are very excited. They got to see a card for Runo Stromkirk. Toxril the Corrosive has been very, very powerful. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I like winced saying powerful because it is just <laughs> bananas. If you can like ramp out that Toxrail, you can like lock down a board. Um, we got another Garolf. Unfortunately, this Garolf doesn't feel as good as Gisa, but that's pretty par for the course for Garolf. But it does give zombies flying, which is pretty cool. And then and then they finished out the cycle of these slow lands. I'm using air quotes here. Um that that say when they enter the battlefield they they enter tapped unless you control two or more other lands so um some uh, you know my my secondary favorite card of the year is, is is from this set we'll cover that when we get there but um that was those were the sets that that came out this year and then we also had crimson vow commander which just recently gave us a couple of cards like millicent restless revenant which was the spirits deck and then there was the Strefan Mauer Progenitor, which was the vampire deck in, um, I guess, white, blue, and then black, red, respectively. And um, we got a couple of partner pairs here. Partner pairs that had printings that were different if they were in the actual, I think, box set versus opening them in like a set booster. I don't remember the exact stipulation, but I remember the black and red partner pair of Camber and Laureen. It really changed it up, and I don't remember the exact um, language there, but um, these ones have only been out for a f honestly like a month and a half yeah. as of the time we recorded this. So I did build one of them. The other I have not seen at all. Um, so I'm not surprised I don't see these yet, but no. I expect them to come up more. Yeah, I've seen Strafan a couple times, just a really good 
uh, value town Rakdos commander to just keep digging through your deck. But uh, yeah, and then and then aside from this, we had lots of secret layers, and those were the sets that came out this year. And honestly, um, it's been a good year. I've enjoyed the majority of these set, these sets. I have we've gotten fun cards from every set. I have a card from every set in a deck, including AFR that I'm very critical of. Yeah. And 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 I, I think this was a great one year to digest uh, Commander Legends so that we can get another Commander Legends set next year. And then I can take another full year to digest that one and make as many partner exactly. decks as possible. Exactly. So now let's talk about the Commander decks that we actually built this year. So we're not going to go into every single one of them, but I did. So I looked and the decks that I built this year, I built 10 decks. So I'm not surprised. Um, a lot of them were just cards that I had, um, but I did have to um, invest some into some cards that I didn't own. So starting out um, with Call Time, I built Finn the Fang Bear, which was an Infect deck. Very, very fun. Orvar the All Form, which was a mono blue deck that was just a Spellslinger deck to make copies of my lands, to make copies of things that I might be able to steal from you. That deck is no longer together. If you saw the stream or you watched the video on YouTube, I made like 20 plus smothering tithes um, on stream felt bad that my turns were taking so long and that I had a million mana. I didn't want to overload Cyclonic Rift because the game was going to go on for so long that I passed the turn and said, this was too much for me. Yes. So Orvar came apart. I built Soul- Dina Soul Steeper, Magecraft. That was fun. Adrix and Nev Twin Casters. I just upgraded the pre-con. So I have um, a token deck now, which is very, very fun. Um, that used to be my old thing, my old shtick. And now I feel like I'm the combo person, but I feel like I go in between the two. Uh, Rionia Fire Dancer, which was my extra combats. Lana's Cryptozoologist, which again was a tokens deck and was making clues to play your stuff. Mm-hmm. Minsk Beloved Ranger uh, from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. It's no longer together. It was a very fun deck. It was a little combo centric. I wanted to play Protean Hulk, sacrifice it with with um, Minsk, and then grab other creatures. It wasn't an infinite combo, but it just felt very... I was dirtling until sure. maybe I got lucky. Sure. Uh, Tovalar, Dire Overlord. I love werewolves. I love the flip mechanic. <laughs> Are they powerful? They, if, if the plan works, yes. Um, one board wipe can just completely negate what you're doing. Yeah. Um, Will help the Rock Cleaver. I, it was a significant pre-con upgrade. I've had zombies before. I used to have a Gisa and Garroth deck at one point, but mm-hmm. I never really played it. I felt like this was great. And then finally, I built Rhoda and Timon. So this is Rhoda Geist Avenger and Timon Youthful Geist from Crimson Vow Commander. So this is the blue-white pair that taps things down and then gets the other one gets counters when a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped and wasn't declared as an attacker. That's my newest deck. It is on the fence, teetering of, is this oppressive or is this just... <laughs> playing Voltron in a way that I want to play Voltron. I haven't decided, but I feel like I want to play a deck like 15 times before I say yay or nay. So those are what, those are what I built this year. Nice. Okay. So for what I built uh, at the beginning of the year, I was still building commander legends partners decks. And I don't remember for sure which ones were built right before call time, but I believe my Abzan tokens deck which is Sidar Kondo and Nadir 
uh, of the Dusk Knell. I believe that was be- was built after Call Time release because it does have some mm-hmm. Call Time cards in there. My Jeskai ETB was not, uh, but my Saltai Clones deck was definitely built afterwards because of some Strixhaven cards built in there. So those partner decks um, were built. I had Vega the Watcher and Svela Ice Shaper from Call Time. Vega is still together and is one of my go-to decks for just I love like that a. Deck. It's just a cool casual like it's fun. Maybe if I get mentor of or or oh gosh, what is that one that makes prowess monks? Um, oh, monastery mentor. If I get a monastery mentor, I definitely have a real chance of winning. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I'm probably just gonna prevent someone else from doing something crazy and, and make a good board stay. I like the Vega deck, Svela. Um, I had it together for a long time. It was just like a value deck. I took it apart because I just needed some of the pieces in it for other yeah. decks. It happens. Uh, Morphon Changelings was built after Call Time came out with all the Changeling uh, tribal stuff that helped. It was a fun deck, but I literally never won a game with it. So that. Was one uh, got taken apart and got built into Morophon Humans. Um, this was just a huge, this is a human Valley town deck. And this is my go-to deck for just a, a little bit of a higher power because it can kind of combo. I guess it can combo off. I can't say kind of combo off anymore. It could combo off uh, and, and just come, come out it of did nowhere that to us on turn six the other day. And I loved it. It did. It, it was, was pretty crazy. cool. So good. Um, but definitely makes use of a lot of like uh, Garth the One Eye from Modern Horizons Two and some other cards that came out this year. Um, Cody Vociferous Codex, aka my secret brash taunter deck, uh, I built this year has just been really fun. It hasn't won yet, but it's just been fun to to take it out and play. Uh, I upgraded an Ozgear deck for a stream, a fifty dollar upgrade, and it's still together the way that it is. It's a it's a Boros Mill deck using as many copies of Mesmeric Orb as I possibly can. And it does work. I have one with it before. Every time, folks, I am telling you, Mike gets it every game. And like three of them. Last time we only let you get two because we definitely went for you. So you couldn't get the third. But half of our decks were in our graveyard or more before we were actually able to take you out. So it it works. Yeah. Um, Delina Wild Mage from AFR. I built uh, that one's because I wanted to roll dice and make copies of things. But bad Reonia. Sure. It's it was really bad. So it got (laughs) taken apart. Um, I still have all the pieces, uh, but the final deck that I built this year and this deck, uh, definitely I've gotten a lot of comments that it feels mean because it, all it does is kill creatures. And that is a Jessica plus Falthus with a companion of Obosh. So it's Rakdos odd CMC where the idea is giving Jessica death touch to kill my opponent's creatures and then getting advantage from that, either stealing the creatures with like a turret or something or drawing cards with a harvester of souls. Um, but that one, uh, as much as people don't particularly like it, I really like playing that deck. So I just got to find the right pods for it, I think. No, it's a, it's a fantastic deck. We we did play against that recently. And, and it was also uh, a deck that very much makes you the arch enemy. There was oh, some yeah. discussion on our Discord, which actually sparked why I'm bringing this up, which was, do you enjoy playing as the arch enemy? And it, in... I know in some of my decks make me the arch enemy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I get it. It's going to happen. This deck, I think, makes you the arch enemy. If someone is playing a creature light deck where they only have one or two, because you're like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to ping those two. Yep. It's like, okay, I guess I'm out of the game. So we had to really plan mm-hmm. for a turn. 
and I think that deck worked. And I don't think I've seen anybody else play Jessica Falthus, and it, uh, it it does the thing it's supposed to do. Yeah, I at no point was I ever planning on using that Obosh, so I really should just get rid of the Obosh companion. <laughs> yes. But I I don't want to make the deck any stronger <laughs> than it is because I feel like it's at a really good point, and that's and that's one the like the one reason why I do like the companion mechanic is it puts an extra deck building restriction on you, which I think is fun, and uh, that way you can just go a hundred percent for if you're doing odd cmc i think you can go a hundred percent into it and just build it a hundred percent see what you can do it's still not going to come out great because you're going to miss a lot of those even cmc cards so i i really liked it um but i think we should move on and we should talk about singular moments of the year like plays of the year because i just had one happen to me the other day and i'm talking this was on thursday um, we had a game night at my robotics team. If you don't know, I'm a mentor for a high school robotics team, and it was right before Christmas, so we said, let's do a game night. We don't have to do real robotics for a little while, and sat down at a pod. Most people were playing pre-cons, and I was playing Vega. Okay. So this this pre-con of Rondus Rage of Ancients, this person sits down and says, I made two upgrades exactly to this deck. They included two uh, Domri Planeswalkers, and they took out two basic lands. Oh, I love that update, too. <laughs> right? So good. So that's all they did. And Vrondis, if you don't know, uh, is a 5-4 uh, Dragon Barbarian. And the important part, it has uh, Enrage. So whenever it takes damage, you make a 5-4 Spirit uh, Dragon creature token. And whenever you roll a dice, you get to deal one damage to itself. So this guy had a Vrondis out, um, had a Dragon Master outcast out, Ooh. and at the same time had this uh enchantment oh my goodness i can't there's an enchantment in the pre-con uh called maddening hex it's a three mana aura curse where you enchant a player and whenever the enchanted player casts a non-creature spell you roll a d6 and it deals that much damage to the player and then it randomly gets attached to another one of your opponents uh so this particular enchantment created five different five four red dragon spirit creatures for this player and dragon master outcase had made two dragons Another player said, don't worry, I got this, and cast an Hour of Reckoning, which destroys all non-token creatures. So it was actually very good for us, but he was still left with seven non-token creatures. At the same time, I cast Mass Diminish on my turn, turning all of his dragons into one once, saying, at least we won't die this turn. Yeah, I know, right? So he untaps, and he casts... The card that is just in the deck, he casts it at sorcery speed, even though it's an instant, Kindred Summons. And he chooses Dragon to reveal cards on the top of your library until you reveal X of the creature type you choose, where X is the number that you control. And Mass Diminish doesn't turn them into frogs or anything. No, they're still dragons. So he gets seven dragons. And one of these dragons just happens to be Scourge of Valkus, which is a five mana, four, four dragon that says whenever Scourge of Valkus or another dragon enters the battlefield under your control, it deals X damage to any target where X is the number of dragons you control. Scourge of Valkus sees itself plus the other six dragons that he got off of Kindred Summons enter the battlefield at the same time, also seeing the seven tokens that are already on the battlefield. So he got seven triggers of 14 damage to distribute. And this is all just from a pre-con, and we all died to it. And I've never been so happy to die to a pre-con <laughs> before in my life. It was so fantastic. That's really fun. So... My favorite play of the year was playing a new deck, actually one that I built because 
Um, I need to step out of my comfort zone and not play blue as much and maybe not play blue white as much. And it was one of my mono black decks. Mm -hmm. This was Jaren Corrupted Bishop, which um, the whole point of the deck was to transform Jaren into Ormondals. This is from Midnight Hunt um, and and try to... uh, get your life total really, really low, and then trade it away with a card that allows you to switch life totals like a soul conduit. So Jaren is a 2-3 when it enters the battlefield or another non-token human you control dies. You lose a life and you create a 1-1 white human. It's a 2-3 for 3 and says pay 2, target human gets lifelink. So you can kind of, you make a human and then you can gain some life back. And it also has, it, it deals with the the, the, th- the number 13 as Innistrad does. And it says at the beginning of your end step, if you have exactly 13 life, you may pay four black black if you do transform Jaren. So like being at 13 life and at your end step and having six mana, it's like a really tall order. Like it's not easy, mm-hmm. but it flips into Ormondal the Corrupter, a 6-6 six, six flying trample lifelink that says sack another creature to draw a card. So this particular game, I remember because it was one, the first time I've ever flipped Jaren, which felt really good. I got to 13 life and I was able to pay and flip it. And what I did was I had a command, the dread horde, which allows you to reanimate creatures from any graveyard. And then you lose life equal to the mana value of all those creatures. Mm-hmm. So I, what I was able to do was reanimate a blood artist from someone else's graveyard, a mayhem devil from someone else's graveyard and a thopter assembly from someone else's graveyard. So blood <laughs> artist, when a creature dies, um, you gain a life and target opponent loses a life. Mayhem Devil is when another creature, uh, whenever you sacrifice a permanent, you get to deal damage to something. And then Thopter Assembly is you return it to your hand and you can make a bunch of Thopters. So I got to sacrifice a bunch of creatures and draw a ton of cards. And then I got to take somebody out who was preventing me from gaining life because of an Erebos. Mm-hmm. And then I swung with Ormondal and actually got... Um, uh, Voltron damage. So I got 21, oh. which was crazy. Um, and then I was able to trade. Maybe it wasn't. No, it actually just says I took somebody out. So I think their life was just low. Okay. And then at the end, I got my life really low. Soul Conduit says uh, pay six and tap this artifact to exchange two target players' life totals. So my life was low and I traded life totals with an opponent. And then they were at two. And I cast Sign in Blood, which is target player draws two cards and loses two life. And I killed somebody with a Sign in Blood. Nice. It just this is those games, just those crazy plays that you'll remember for what I know it sounds cheesy. You'll remember it for forever, but I will remember <laughs> this game. It was insane. I did all the things. So, so fun. That so was my s- moment of the year. Sign in Blood kill versus flinging an Elvish Mystic kill. Where would you put the two? Okay, the flinging an Elvish Mystic that happened last year mm-hmm. is probably above this, but this is very close. Okay, okay, just <laughs> making sure. Okay, so favorite cards from this year. Um, favorite card, duh. Favorite card, because I had five, whatever, and we already talked about most of them, so it's fine. Uh, but the one that we didn't talk about, my number one, uh, a card that's very, very important to Mono White card draw. It's called Esper Sentinel, and it costs one white, and it's a 1-1 human soldier from Modern Horizons 2. It says whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, draw a card unless that player pays X, where X is Esper Sentinel's power. It'll probably mostly be one, because unless you're playing an artifact deck or something or an equipment deck that you can pump this guy up. But uh, yeah, no, just it, it's really good mono-white card draw. A lot of people aren't going to pay the one to cast their Rampant Growth or their Cultivate or something, so no worries. Yeah, my favorite card this year 
from Strixhaven. Culling Ritual, so a sorcery for two black and a green. It says, destroy each non-land permanent with mana value two or less. Add black or green for each permanent destroyed this way. So you get a ton of mana. Um, when this came out, I, I, I knew it would be strong, but I guess I didn't realize how strong it would be with the increasing dominance of, of treasures. Mm -hmm. Um, the fact that we see, um, Dockside Extortionist, which is a, a mono red goblin that makes treasures for each artifact and enchantment that your opponents control. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's tracked somewhere on my spreadsheet how many treasures. It's not a specific item I was looking for or how much mana I make, but I was consistently making between, I would say, 7 and 15 mana every single time I cast this. So I was netting 3 mana off of this at at like at the floor. Were like there, the ceiling is so much more. Is it, were there any instances where you didn't get as much as you put into it? You just use it as, you know, to kill one or two important things? I don't... Maybe once. But like, okay. I don't even remember it, honestly. I don't remember having a bad calling ritual. You know, the, the, the prominence of mana dorks, two mana mm -hmm. rocks that people want. Uh, that's fine. I will take them out with Culling Ritual. I, I mean, um, I, I think Culling Ritual just to kill three things is still really... I mean, that just means you paid a, the equivalent of one mana to kill three things. It's still worth it at that point. I, I agree. I agree. So Culling Ritual is my top card of the year. I love it. I do have it in two or three decks. If I am playing black and green, I think it's in there. Is is that the right play? I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet, but it feels like I'm leaving money on the table if I'm not running it. And um, knowing myself, what I've learned over the last two years, two and a half years doing the show is I learned that I do like to optimize and that's fine. And I think Culling Ritual is a card that I just really like. There you go. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Um, top MTG moment of the year. So just, just maybe something that we were proud of over the year, which for me, I started writing for Commander's Herald. I'm writing a series called Good Grief, um, the article series that discusses uh, ways to beat strategies that make you say good grief. I've written a few articles now. I've talked about combating extra turns. I've talked, um, you know, quite, quite a bit on there. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. I um, didn't know if I would be good at writing, I'm not sure if I am, but I get lots of good comments actually. And I was very terrified. So I do have to post them to Reddit as well mm -hmm. um, as part of, as part of the requirement. And you do get a few comments that'll say things like, wow, you suggested this card. How original. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. I wasn't wrong to suggest what I suggested. Um, I do think that there is, um, there is something out there that that makes people think that content creators have to be completely original and can never do anything that is, I don't know, I'm using air quotes as like basic or like sure. just, just maybe for somebody who's really in, heavily invested in the game. And if you're on Reddit constantly reading for things, maybe you are more involved in the game than somebody else. But maybe somebody that's reading it wasn't as involved and they wouldn't have thought of that. But right. I've had a good time writing that series. And then also my other favorite thing for Magic is that we got the return of in-store play here in the US um, where it's safe and when, you know, when you're when you're being safe. Um, and I've enjoyed that. I got to play in-store in for the last few months. Um, not a ton um, here and there. I'm still very busy with work. Um, 
obviously creating the show. So I don't go out a ton. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly stayed in more than I, I did before um, prepping for the holidays. So the last couple of weeks, I certainly haven't been out as much. But those were my favorite moments of this year. Um, how about you? Yeah, I guess um, something that I've I've developed myself with would be a little bit of uh, video editing that we learned how to do. If you're a patron, you've seen our deck techs. So um, the minimal amount of video editing that we have to do for that. I learned how to do that this year. So that was a pretty cool thing for me. Um, yeah, but, I record mine and Coil puts everything together, which is great. <laughs> yeah, it, it's and you know, I, at the first one we did, I think it took me like a couple days to do and, and now I can do it in, you know, maybe like three hours tops to do it. So I, I think I'm getting better at it too. So that's really cool. But in Still terms learning. of in terms of magic, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, thematically when Vorenklax just randomly showed up on Kaldheim and I was like, let's go, Braiders are back, let's do it. <laughs> and then we got a whole year of nothing uh, and I hope we get uh, maybe Praetor number two, number three, number four, number five, all of them show up this year and uh, in this coming year. So um, so yeah, that was maybe. exciting, but uh, ultimately a full year of anticipation uh, left. So Exactly. Best reprints. Start us off with our combined number one. This is our favorite. So best reprints oh, yeah. of the year, in our opinion, are uh, the yeah. enemy fetch lands. Oh, were we supposed yes. to say that together? No, I was just waiting for you to say. It. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the enemy fetch lands reprinted in Modern Horizons two, becoming thank you uh, as we say in air quotes affordable. They are the cheapest they've been. Um, but on top of that, there is also a reprint of Cabal Coffers, making it the most affordable. I don't know if that if, if it's the most affordable it's ever been, but uh, most affordable in recent history, that's for sure. Yeah, we we have we have affordable fetch lands right now. I mean, they are they are in in if you're not looking for an extended border or an old border specifically, I guess if you're looking for just what comes out of the pack. I mean, Arid Mesa's at $16, Marsh Flats at $16. I mean, this is the lowest that they've been. And I mean, I don't know how long yeah, you I can get Scalding Tarns for like 30 or less. And that's the most expensive fetch is the Scalding Tarns. Like Scalding yeah, oh, I'm Tarn sorry, you can get it for 23 not even 30 There you go. Um, and we know, you know, buying one of each fetch land is still going to cost you, uh, of the of the enemy fetches, is still going to cost you 100 bucks, which is exactly. a lot of money. But um, if you can afford 100 bucks now... It won't be 200 bucks later. Not that we're a finance podcast. And this is definitely not, not financial advice. Do not take our suggestions here. But we were very happy with the financial decrease in price of those particular lands when reprinted in Modern Horizons yes, thank 2. You. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, how about we do something a little bit personal for this next one? And we talk about our favorite episode that we recorded on our podcast from 2021. A little bit of a, a little bit of a flex, a little bit of a self pat on the back here. Um, I'm going to take us back to February then. Oh, yes, wow. I agree. We're going to go back to February 2021. This is episode 88. So if you haven't listened, I'm not going to fully spoil the whole episode. But this was an episode all about FOMO. It's an episode that we will be doing more. We mm-hmm. haven't done it. We wanted to give it some time. But <clears throat> this is talking about cards that spiked in price when a specific commander product or a card was released. And we wanted to look at the price that the card was, what it went up to, and then it, what it was again at the time that we recorded the show. Um, we had we had a lot of cards we talked about. Um <clears throat> that were very cheap and then spiked and then went way back down. Mm -hmm. Um, 
after the I guess the 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 hotness had had I guess gone away. So after it cools down. After it cools down. So like a, a car just for an example, one of the examples we talked about was Nomada Grove Guardian, which was a mono green creature that makes saprolings. And when Slimefoot the stowaway, these the the um saprling commander, green black came out, uh, or was I guess previewed, um or was just released. I don't I don't remember. But Nomada went up to $20 a copy, mm-hmm. $20, $20. Mm-hmm. And at the time we recorded this episode, which is in February, it was back down to $2. Oh, yeah. And so the point of it is it's wild to see what price fluctuations happen based on an individual card and what the commander format does to the secondary market. Namada is old. It's not mm-hmm. a new card. It's, I right. mean, it's not even in the last five years. It's old. Um, so don't get caught by FOMO was the whole point of that episode. And I love talking about the artificial price spikes. Um, mm-hmm. And we w- will be doing that episode again because we had a lot of fun doing it. And we heard a lot of discussion and we got a lot of good feedback on, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that Final Fortune spiked because of Obeka Brute Chronologist. Oh, right. And yeah. that was still really high. We have lots of cards. So check out episode 88. Very yes. good. And keep this in mind as we move into spoiler season for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty and you look to go buy all of your ninjas. Just keep this in mind. Keep episode 88 in mind. Go listen to it. Keep it in not mind. Like, yeah, not like Yuriko's already spiking. And oops. <laughs> oops. okay so my favorite episode and as as usual i cheat and i and i pick more than one thing for my favorite thing i see two here (laughs) (laughs) but i think you'll understand because they do go together Uh, episode 120 in september was where we talked about the most affordable deck themes uh, and episode 117 is when we talk about the most expensive deck themes where we took a look at the top 21 commander uh archetypes or deck types and on according to edhrec.com and we looked at uh, which ones were the most expensive and which ones were the least expensive we looked at why they were that way and i think it was really cool and eye-opening to see um, why some themes are more expensive than other themes some staples that are expensive uh, versus others Um, and ultimately it was cool to see that you know, your your auras and enchantment stacks are going to be absolutely budget whether you want them to be or not. <laughs> exactly. Um, moving over to some other things that happened this year. In the Commander format, what our show is based on, we had some banned and restricted announcements, um, some bannings and some unbannings this year. The first banning was Hull Breacher. Um, it was a, a card that came out in Commander Legends, it was a 3 2. It, it's not, it wasn't, it was. It, it was. Still it is. doesn't exist anymore. It still it's is. Gone. We've burned all of them. They don't exist. No. <laughs> a Merfolk Pirate 3 2 for two and a blue that has flash. And it says if an opponent would draw a card, if an opponent would draw a card except the first one they draw on their turn, um, instead you create a treasure token. It was just, it's too much. Yeah. It wasn't fun. It was too good. It, needed, it was too good. It needed to go. Um, Golos Tireless Pilgrim was also banned this year. A 3-5 legendary creature for five colorless. This came out in M20, so um, it's not it's not new. Um, and it says when it enters the battlefield, search your library for a land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped. You can pay two and then white, blue, black, red, green to exile the top three cards of your library. You may play them this turn without paying their mana costs. This was basically too efficient and it didn't um, 
it kind of broke the spirit of commander. There was literally no restriction. Um, it, it didn't really, it wasn't healthy for the format, which is really why Golos, um, unfortunately got the ax. Yes. And then a card that was unbanned, which to this day still haven't seen it. So I'm glad it's unbanned because mm-hmm. it's not been a problem, at least for us. Right. I can't say that's true for everyone, but world fire was unbanned six red, red, red for a sorcery. It says exile, all permanents, exile, all cards from all hands and graveyards. Everyone's life total becomes one. That seems so, okay. It seems, honestly, it's very expensive. Um, and unless you're playing like a deck like Norn the Wary or it was really the discussion and I don't have it in front of me. The discussion was really if you're playing Norn the Wary or maybe um, Azusa or Zozu the Punisher or something mm-hmm. like that, that you can get out quickly and, and kind of steamroll. Um, it, it really wasn't much of a problem. Right. No, I, and I, I can see instances where you have like a pinger or something and in response to world fire on the stack, you ping everyone for one or no, you have to have the ping on the stack and then cast world fire. That's what, yeah. So you have to somehow cast world fire so... at instant speed. Yeah. So there's a little yeah. bit of a setup. It's fine. It's a good combo. Let's make it happen. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there are also some, some just miscellaneous things that happened over the past yeah. year. MTG um, Arena came out on on mobile phones. Yeah. That happened this year. Well, it's crazy because I believe um, there was an equal uh, work productivity decrease at my company in my job position <laughs> at the same time. Oh, your current department had less work because Arena came out on the phone. Ah, it just it was a coincidence that it happened very hmm. very similar. At the Direct same time. correlation. Unconfirmed. Um, yes. There's also a brand new format in Arena called Alchemy that was created. It is uh, actually still relatively new. Um, where there's yeah, some, real new. <laughs> yeah, some, some Arena-only cards and um, Arena-only mechanics that are built yeah, in. Yeah, some rebalancing. We had, this is a long time ago, folks, there was some dis- there was there was some controversy with the Crux of Fate mystical archive art that was released and later identified as having art that was not owned by the artist. Um there was some drama in the magic world earlier this year. Um, Wizards is no longer working with that artist. So yeah. um, I own this crux, crux of, fate. of fate. I own that crux of fate too. Yeah. That was not created by that artist and the credit. Obviously there was a statement and was later given um, as to where that art had, had originally come from, but crazy that that happened this year. I forgot that it even happened. I'll have to add that artist to the bottom of the card with a pen or something. Just ink the card up. I think it was like a combination of two artists as well. Okay. I think it was like slightly, it was like taking art, shifting it, and then grabbing other art and shifting it and put like kind of merging two pieces of art. I don't, that you can you can easily find it if you look up Crux of Fate Mystical Archive um, statement. Like mm-hmm. if you just Google that, you'll find mm-hmm. the full the full. Nice. Uh, there was also some packaging changes that happened to a couple products with Wizards of the Coast. So there is two different versions of the Commander decks that they now send out. Uh, one of them is a more simplified, uh, less packaging version. I believe that one is when you order directly from Amazon or maybe some other big box stores. But also secret layers are being reduced in their size so that we have less waste from those particular products. Yes. Uh, comprehensive rules changes. Converted mana cost is no more, and we now call it mana value. That happened, and now we need to get that trash out of our vocab. That's right. We need to, we need to put quotations. Right. Now, <laughs> now we use mana value. Yeah, I'm sure we all, we all still do. You know, I've been getting much better at it, but yeah. sometimes when it's printed specifically on the card and I'm just reading the card verbatim, mm-hmm. um, I still say converted mana cost. Oops, reading the card explains the card. Wizards taught me that. <laughs> uh, the companion app 
app is now being used in in-store play. Uh, it also includes its own uh, gatherer in there too. So you can use to look up uh, Oracle changes and stuff to your cards, which is cool. It's really easy to use, honestly, the companion app. So I We've can't been using that... it for a while now, even we during have alpha. Been... What? Even during uh, the alpha testing for it, we were using it when it was yeah, Android we, we, only. <laughs> yeah, very early adopters when we were doing drafts when that initially came out, you used it because I had an iPhone, so I couldn't. But now, now we're using that, and it's yeah. it's great when you're an at home draft or whatever, and you set up a small event yourself. It's great. Um, this year, we also had a lot of erratas. We had the massive Phyrexian creature type errata that happened this year. We also got the Ranger creature type and the Bard creature type in 2021. Yeah, and one other uh, uh, rule change errata that happened was Delina Wild Mage. Uh, the second ability, when it says if you roll a 15 to 20, it said roll again. Um, it now says you may roll again. That way you don't get stuck in statistically improbable loops where you can't ever roll out of it. This so, is true. Yeah, yeah stuck you roll a dice for Delina, the be- coils, quote, bad Rionia. It <laughs> is. You could have gotten stuck. And they said, we're going to make it so you can't accidentally maybe get stuck. Yeah, you can choose to not get stuck now, which is yeah, super so great. Those were just some of the things that we thought were cool from 2021 um, or memorable. Uh, if we forgot anything, tell us uh, what was your favorite part of magic in in 2021 we'd love to hear from you um we're super happy that in-store play returned and that our show survived a global pandemic we're still working through it please go get your vaccinations we are boosted up now boosted we are looking forward to what comes in 2021 but until then we want to wish you all a happy new year since that is coming up this weekend and we want to make sure that you tune in next week because it is the annual uh, year of commander episode where we are discussing our fully tracked gameplay results where um we're going to just give you the stats if you're a stats person we're going to break it down we're telling you the games we played what we played how we played did we do good uh did we go in first second third or fourth you know we got lots of stuff coming up next week oh, yeah. um so so make sure you're here um, in a week. And if you want to chat with us online, you can find me on Twitter at Andy Flory. And you can find me on Twitter at Wormcoil Engine. We want to give a special thanks to Ryan Nichols, our producer and editor. Thank you for everything that you do. And Chris Wolf, who handles all of our graphic design. And thank you for everything that you do. And to all of you out there, I'll talk to you next year. I get to make the joke. It's, it's so the thing. bad. It's so bad. <laughs> oh. Happy New Year, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.